shining a beacon on the bazaar. Right, uh, kid, I've got the tin foil. Oh, come go. on, get it on quick. <clears throat> right, so I'm going to make myself nice. Uh, I'm going to make a nice uh, tin foil fedora. Oh, I think yeah. I'm going to make, yeah, what about you? I'm just full crash helmet, mate. I'm doing <laughs> my old body. This has gone crazy, man. The world's fucked. The it's world just is gone. Fucked. It's gone. It's gone crazy. Crazy. It's not good, is it? It ain't good at all. No, so I think the tin foil hat's a good idea. Now, we need that because it's just, it, it, things have got too bonkers for us. Oh, mate, mine's on. Oh, lovely. Oh, oh, you look smashing with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel brand new, yeah. shiny and brand new. And Safe. safe, just a little bit safer. Because I'm really easy. Things have gone too far now. Um, I mean, we're going to go straight in with the one that I've been uh, been reading about. Is you know, like your anti-vaxxers. Oh yes. Yeah, all, <laughs> all your anti-vaxxers. Um, they've they've realised now that they thought, oh, I'm about to be left behind by society, haven't they? <laughs> There's a new class level guys. <laughs> That's it, they've just sort of painted themselves into a corner, right? And they've decided that it's like, hey, it's my choice, man, if I'm going to get a vaccine or not. And it's like, yeah, it's your choice, mate, but you're not allowed to go anywhere or yeah. see anyone or yeah. do anything. You've just right? got to die. Yeah, <laughs> well, they're wanting to almost like have their own area. You're joking. There's talk now about things like almost like um, anti-vaxxers holiday resorts. My God. Right? They're wanting to start uh, anti-vaxxers um, like dating sites so like unvaccine, uh, unvaccinated people can meet like-minded. Wow, well, that's going to accelerate things. Jesus. Well, that's what I mean. Wow. If you like them a holiday resort, can you imagine an outbreak of bloody COVID oh in that holiday God. resort? Oh, it's just going to rip through it like wildfire, isn't it? It is, yeah. One right said Fred late and that's it, they're all fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Too sexy for your jab. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. It's ridiculous. It is, mate. It is ridiculous, yeah. And that's just a tip of iceberg, isn't it? Everything, everything's going on. The news, I can't even read it, Matt. Well, the thing is, the thing is that gets me, though, is I find the biggest shame is it's all the people, it's like your peaceful hippy-dippy types, you know what mm. I mean? All your Hebden Bridges, all them sort of people, yeah. right? It's them ones who have kind of almost like finding loads and loads of stuff in common with the really far right wing. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm finding mega unsettling. It's like How this, did that happen? Those two people were enemies. Well, I, I, I find there's a lot of stuff. Any kind of extremism, like far left, far, far right, don't matter where, yeah. I reckon it's almost like a ball. Yeah. Where they all meet round the back. You go far enough in one direction, you just meet round the back somewhere. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? I think that's what any it's kind of extremism is. the same like, land, yeah, the same common uh, ground. You suddenly find the same common ground round the back there somewhere. And I think that's basically the holiday resort round the back there that they can actually go to. That's yeah. Send the anti-vaxxers to somewhere. Open up the butlins again, get them all in there, let them live their lives. Do you know where lives. Greenland. Yeah, Greenland. Because yeah. I can never, I can never understood this. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but it's like uh, I can never understand why we're all trying to get to Mars, right? Mm. Which is absolutely billions of miles, or millions and millions of miles away, right? Yeah. Really, really inhospitable, cold, terrible place to live. Yeah. No oxygen, no atmosphere. But yeah, we've got Greenland. It's totally empty. Yeah. It's massive. Is it's it? absolutely. It's, it's not green though, is it? Is it no, all icy and nasty? It's, it's, it's icy <laughs> and nasty, but. It's got oxygen. Yeah. It's got water in the form of ice. Mm. 
There's li- the, the, the possibilities of living on Greenland are there. You Can know? we just get, construct a massive lighthouse and we go? And we, we just stay <laughs> safe? <laughs> that's, that's, let's me and you go there, right? And yeah. we, but we won't, it, we, it really won't be Kraken Cove, though, will no, it? No, it won't. Because this is Kraken Cove. Cove. It's a podcast that shines a beacon <laughs> onto the bizarre. The really bizarre. Yeah. The really bizarre. And I'm the frightened man. <laughs> I'm scared many. <laughs> And yeah, we're, we're just a little bit worried at the moment in the, at the core because we're just thinking everyone's acting a bit too potty. Mm. We, why can't everyone just calm down a bit? Exactly. Calm your passions, guys. Have a listen. Yeah, that's it. You know, and, and, and more than anything else, get your tin foil out. Yeah, Make yeah. yourself a nice hat. Yeah, exactly. It's in the cupboard for a reason, guys. Yeah. <laughs> tinfoil helmet you've got <laughs> you know, I feel smart Matt I feel smart yeah. it's right, you know, it's lot, I've got a lot, lot less intrusive thoughts going on here <laughs> it seems to be doing the magic <laughs> but really sort of, we're going to have uh, the first uh, the first story this week is a little bit of a callback to the last episode really Ooh. and further back into other episodes as well Ooh, I find this a, yeah, I find this a bit of a strange one is this because this is uh, from the Sapien Journal and it is a rare disorder that makes you hallucinate tiny people. Fucking hell! <laughs> wow! Right? So this is in a paper published in 1909. The French psychiatrist Raoul Leroy described a peculiar mental disorder characterised by hallucinations of little people or Lilliputians, named after characters from Jonathan Swift's Gulliver's Travels. The hallucinations that Leroy himself had experienced once in 1909 were described as miniature, colourful, greatly animated and pleasant. Right? So recently, researcher uh, Jan Dirk Blom reviewed, now get this, 226 documented cases of Lilliputian hallucinations from 145 case reports, providing valuable insight into the rare psychological phenomenon. Fucking hell. They, and he says, they involved tiny men, women, children, gnomes, imps, dwarves, often strikingly dressed as harlequins, clowns, dancers, soldiers, peasants, Mandarins and kaftan wearers. Wow, <laughs> that's even crazier, isn't it? <laughs> In a majority of cases, the hallucinated beings were numerous, sometimes numbering several thousand or even several million in two cases. In most cases, they were greatly animated, jumping on chairs, dancing on the table, climbing on furniture, and marching along in files or squads, or performing acrobatics. According to Dirk Blom, they fall into the category of reality-grounded projective hallucinations since they are grounded in the actual environment and seem to obey the laws of physics and three-dimensional space. Yeah. So that's the category it classes them as. So everything that's happening in the world affects them. Yeah, it's not yeah. just sort of like they're not drifting through walls or anything yeah, like that, yeah. you know. The beams were one millimetre to one metre tall. Whoa. Right, so they're saying the average height is worked. An average height for these beings are yeah. in twenty-three centimeters. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. And in some cases, were accompanied by giant hallucinated beings. Right. Oof. 
and the, the term for that, and I'm going to have a go at this, is Brobdingnanian, right? Right. But um, there was, in uh, uh, Gulliver's Travels, the giant beings yeah, were yeah. the, the Brobdingnanians, right? Oh so God. that's it. So the hallucinatory episodes lasted from a few seconds to many decades in length. The fact that 46% of the patients attributed negative qualifications to these hallucinations, for example, calling them frightening, annoying, exhausting, or menacing, and 36 attributed positive qualifications, meaning entertaining, soothing, amusing, or hilarious, Whoa. and 8% attributed neutral or mixed qualifications. And this disconfirms Leroy's early hypo hypothesis that they are always pleasurable. Now, Dirk Blom estimates the prevalence of Lilliputian hallucinations to 30 to 80 per 10,000 people in clinical populations of psychiatric patients, making it incredibly rare. And the paper discusses, in addition to the results of review, the historical aspect of the disorder and causal mechanisms. Wow, I'll tell you what, it's weird. As soon as you started talking about it, one name, I hope's right, came flying at me. Is it Chapman? Chapman, who did the uh, Lenin in, you know, the assassination of Lenin. Uh, oh, yeah, Lenin. yeah, yeah. Is it Chapman? I think yeah, I think he was a David Chapman. Yeah, he had yeah. that. Did he? Yeah, yeah. He, he, in his like bedroom, before he went totally fucking, you know, on the stalk for a, for a killing, um, he had, and it were decades, you know, yeah. long, uh, and he, he, he was the, the, the god to the little, little people in his bedroom. And there were thousands, a full society of them, you know what I mean? Really? And, he, and they looked at him as god. And it was like a two, if you remember right, it was two waves, you know, like he might have moved out of his mum's house and kind of crushed him to one side um, and, and with his wife. But when he went back again, it, it all started again, you know. Lord, what I mean? yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think he, he had a bit of a swipe at them one time, tried to kill them all. And it was full, the society looking up to him, you know what I mean? And oh he was like God. a god figure to him. I just think, God, oh, that's just so bizarre that it's like a, you know, did he have that case or we just bloody... I think he probably did. I think he would wow. Or there is another point of view. The real! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. But like the borrowers, you know, like in uh, the... And I think in Irish folklore as well, you've got all that about them tidying up your house and they're not gnomes or elves. It seems like they are little people. Well, funny enough, one thing I was going to cover, um, in fact, I'll cover it briefly now, one thing yeah. was, was actually the um, the prevalence of gremlins wow. in World War Two. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it started sort of like, it actually started in World War One in right. reality because there was airmen, and it's almost always airmen, yeah. were starting to see creatures scuttling around inside their planes. There's something on the wing. Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly that. Because that actually is the most accurate representation of a gremlin there is. is and what we're referring to is a Twilight Zone, which had starred William Shatner. And he was looking out of the window, and there was a gremlin on the wing, oh, wasn't it's there? fucking terrifying. Even remake with that airy beast on because it's so much more budget to it. It's yeah. so frightening, it's happy to yeah. it. And that well, madness of seeing it and not seeing it. Well, this is, this is what was genuinely happening with... Now, even like Charles Lindbergh, when he was travelling from, um, I think it was... This, his plane was called Spirit of St. Louis, if I, if I remember right. Yeah. And he was flying from uh, New York to Paris. It was like, it was many, it was a 33 hour flight, non wow. first ever non stop flight yeah. across the Atlantic. And um, nine hours into the flight, 
he says these spirit beings appeared in the plane, almost like wisps of smoke and ghostliness. And they reassured him that everything was going to be all right. That oh it, it, they, said, anything, any, they said, don't worry, anything technical that happens, that goes wrong, we can fix it. And that's actually the swing side of what gremlins were, yeah. is that they sometimes fix things, but quite often they did, they just fucked things <laughs> up, right? And oh. they were described as being basically like little people, real weird little long arms, stuff like that. Um, so weird through generations that you got that, and then nowadays we've seen so much different things out of plane windows and out of space ship windows and stuff. You know, yeah. all like the the UFO, what they are, they are. You know what I mean? But it, but it comes it all rolls back to sighting of little people. Yeah. It's always little green men, isn't it? It's always yeah. little grey aliens. They're yeah. not sort of like they're not seven foot tall, sort of stamping around more yeah, often. Yeah, true. Always little. Yeah. All these these just our lives are completely bombarded by strange little beings. <laughs> <laughs> It's, you know, it's madness to see how long it's gone on for. Yeah. You know, you just think there's got to be smoke. You know, there's smoke. There's got to be a fire somewhere. Well, if you look at this, I mean, this study here where they turn around, they've got the mean or the average of of what the little people size is about twenty three centimeters. Now look yeah. at the stick Indians from the last episode. Yeah. They were all about about foot foot and a half tall. You know, yeah. roughly around eighteen centimeters to a foot tall sort of yeah. thing. So that falls into that category of heights and sizes. And things. Yeah. So yeah, so these weird little creatures. Maybe they are there. Oh, they're God. just drifting out of people. Some people can just see them. Yeah. Or oh, they're just really fast and they just scurry away from yeah. us. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's, it's like the, the actual. The, there's actually a, um, a link in this article to the, 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 the full detailed study. Yeah. And they just categorise every aspect of these creatures what they're wearing, what they look like, everything like that. Jeez. And even like the airmen's gremlins, when they describe what they were like, they do go from everything from weird little reptilian things with long bandy arms. Mm. But some of the airmen saw what I found really fascinating, which was almost like little elves, which were wearing like little green jackets with big buttons and little <laughs> pointy shoes and little pointy hats oh, and that's stuff. Adorable. Right? <laughs> but my that description that they said there and what they always say as well is that the gremlin, one of the attributes of the gremlin is technically adept, very skillful, good at building or dismantling, seems to know where to go to just to cause the right amount of chaos. Fucking Santa. Right. <laughs> well, weird enough, they're like the elf and the shoemaker, I thought. Oh, yeah. So here's a little creature that scuttles into your life and helps yeah. you. He's a technically adept creature that makes things for you. And what's the next invention? On from clothes and shoes and everything like that. Suddenly, hey, where we are we in the technological age? We're making yeah. planes. Whoa. These little guys are getting involved with the planes. <laughs> like, right? what are these? Let's have a go. So it just strikes me the fact that you know this guy's categorising this as like a lunacy sort of thing. Yeah. You know, people are seeing things, but maybe they are actually genuinely seeing something. God. And. And there are things out there, little things just scuttling in the corner of our vision. <laughs> They're terrifying. Though. When you were about those last ones, you know, the fire darts. That you, there's no more terrifying, I think, than loads of them, loads of little ones, you know yeah. what I mean? Running at you. Swarming. And that. Yeah, you know, it's like, God, no, I couldn't handle that. No, I wouldn't like that either. Mm. You know, scuttling into gaps or getting in through your windows. Yeah, Firing darts at you and that. There's no. too many to swap. Oh, no. no, I can all. Yeah, I can. I mean, I've not seen anything like this. I'm not, mm. I've not seen a little person. Although there was a great account of a little person in a farm not too far from here. Oh, yeah. And they kept seeing this like a like a little, well, again, like a gremlin kind of thing, like a little sort of troll creature <laughs> would just turn up and be, and it would be like in like a doorway. You have a doorway open, you just sort of, suddenly it's there in the doorway. And it stinks, apparently. Wow. It, it just starts. Screaming, stamping his feet. Right. No 
those noises come out. It's almost like the volume being had been turned off on this uh. thing, right? And it would just like it carry on alarming, then just disappear, and in a whiff of sulphur. Oh my god! In recent times, around here, oh, in the last ten years, because yeah. that is just so classic fairy tale, isn't yeah. it? You know, that troll under the bridge, that stamping of the foot, that yeah. that pure like rumble stilt skin sort yeah. of thing, like that. You know, oh god, they're scary though, aren't they? Yeah, there. that is really scary. Weird little creepy creatures. Just uh. sort of, like I said, I've not seen them. I'm interested, and I, I've got a very open mind about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to turn around and say, "Oh no, well, it's like this old this this study here yeah, where they're all funny. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a mental illness." I'm not so sure. Mm. Look under your beds, guys. You could be there. Check your cupboards. <laughs> <laughs> Get your tinfoil. <laughs> Here, but it, 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 it's sort of like you know, sort of like come the hour means come the man kind of thing. Yeah, you know what I mean? come yeah, the man. Yeah, 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 yeah. and I think what we need, we finally see because it's like us. There's no point us just trembling in fear yeah. under here. What you need, <laughs> we need a new hero for the oh, generation. Oh, a hero! Yes, and this is from the Bristol Post. A story by Connor uh, Connor Gogarty, right? Ooh, that's a good right. One. And he's a chief reporter there at Bristol Post, yeah. and I think we found the hero we need <gasps> for the modern era. Who could it be? Right. A Henley's warehouse worker kicked a courtroom door in fury after being ordered to pay more than £800. (laughs) John White of Hillview shouted, This is some bollocks! I like him already. And this ain't no kind of joke! (laughs) As he stormed out of Bristol Magistrates Court during his sentencing. The stock controller, 22, appeared in court today and admitted telling a police officer to fuck off. He was also fined for cannabis possession. His penalty his penalties totaling eight hundred and twenty pounds. Just for saying fuck off to a copper and having a bit of ganja. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, eight hundred quid. So White told Bristol Live outside court, "Bro, I ain't paying the eight hundred pound for saying f off, and for a bag of weed. Do you know what I mean? You pay eight hundred pound and you put someone in hospital, bro." <laughs> That's his equivalent of 800 quid. Well, I like about this, though, this, the, uh, Connor Gogarty, right, is taking this down word for word. What this <laughs> licking his chops. Yeah, it's like, this is, uh, you can just see him licking his pencil. Yeah. Yeah. Any more, any more. Asked if he planned to appeal the sentence, he replied, I'll just pay the money, bruv. I would appeal it, but it won't get me anywhere, in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's a system you cannot beat. They're their own bosses. <laughs> So good with the bros in that accent. Yeah. That so good. The hearing started the prosecutor Sandra Messiah. <laughs> oh, right. Sandra Messiah outlining the public order offence which White committed against PC Larvis on May the 29th in Emerson's Green. She said officers had been called to the address for an unrelated matter. And when they tried to engage with Mr. White, he used unpleasant language such as fuck you. <laughs> actually get away with that though yeah I did well, well, clips I've, I've seen the people telling the police to fuck <laughs> off all the time yeah the outburst happened outside which meant White could be charged with abusive behaviour in a public place oh. right so his lawyer the duty of a solicitor Guy Percival told the court his client received unemployment benefits but White broke in 
No, I'm not. He says, I work for my money. (laughs) (laughs) The defendant, who has the words family first tattooed on his arm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say fuck off. Tattooed to his arm. Told Mr. Percival, ah, no, bruv. I thought you meant, do I get benefits for my ADHD? Oh, <laughs> what does he work for then? He just works. Oh, he does work. He says, All right. And he says, I'm a stock controller in a warehouse. I get £350 a week. Big business, innit? <laughs> <laughs> Big business. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Percival addressed presiding justice Susan Helfer again and said, I'm sorry, ma'am, I got that completely wrong. His take-home pay is £350 a week. Which <laughs> is a bad little crack. Yeah, it's like it, a 22-year-old. Yeah, yeah. In it, in it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, White turned to the public gallery where two members of the public were sitting and said, Who the fuck are they? He's <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's absolutely cold, Oh, isn't my it? God. Uh, Bliss to Live understands one of the men who was present because he was considering becoming a magistrate. <laughs> he quickly changed his mind there. White then made as if to leave before realising the sentencing was not over. <laughs> he says, I'd forgotten how these court things go. I thought it was done. <laughs> and he kicked the door yet? Yeah, is he that later? Yeah. When the clerk said White had £107 in outstanding debt to the courts, he's obviously been done uh, before, right? right? He said, Is that it? Oh, he thought I had £700 to pay. <laughs> Happy with that? I told you I'd pay me bills. He's <laughs> <laughs> just such a regular, isn't he? <laughs> Handing down the sentence, Mr. Hel- Mrs. Helfer told White it was probably a good job he was handcuffed during his arrest because this may have stopped him getting into a physical confrontation with the police. And the defendant replied, Oh, he never laid hands on an officer. Right? <laughs> and Mrs. Helfer continued, This offence was committed whilst on a community order, which makes it more serious. So he's already on, yeah, sort of like, yeah. on, a, on the but, watch yeah. list. So, so I'm going to punish you by means of a fine of £350. And White shouted, Oh, come on, man, you can't do that to me. This is some bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> the clerk scolded him. Mr. White! <laughs> Speaking more quietly than before, the defendant said, Go on, go on. (laughs) (laughs) The presiding justice went on. You will pay £85 in prosecution costs and a victim service charge of £35. In addition, you may recall you were previously given a 12-month conditional discharge for possession, possessing a Class B drug. So he's been on the... (laughs) Only a wacky wacky. (laughs) When Mrs. Helfer informed White he would have to pay a £350 fine for the cannabis possession because he had committed a new offence, he yelled, That's not even a ten bag! Laughing, White asked her, You actually being serious? This ain't no kind of joke. Mrs. Helfer stood up and said, I'm not going to put up with this. <laughs> By this point, White was already on his way out of the dock. He stormed past two members of the public in their gallery and out of the courtroom, aiming a kick at the door on his way out. <laughs> <laughs> he's like some cowboy, isn't he? Some desperado. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a lawn to himself, is that man? <laughs> yes, bruv. <laughs> some kind of joke. <laughs> <laughs> the wildness. Well, he's got a good job. He can afford it, can't he? Good on him. 
Fucking fair play, 22 year old. I mean, I should have posted a picture as well. It looks thick as tree. <laughs> Eyes, I love it, shopping. Oh, bless him. Good yeah. luck to him. Yeah, I think so. I think he, he won't do far wrong, it, will he? <laughs> but next time he's at court, that, that reporter's going to be there, though, isn't he? Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Stalking, Use it. What, what, White's back in, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jumping on his moped straight over there. Yeah. So that's a little bit light hide, that one, wasn't it? Really no, well, I enjoyed that, that was good. Let's get dark. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How dark? Well, this is, and we've got two here on the trot, right, which is one reminded me of the other, and I had to look this other story up, which, right. which I'd, I'd thought about. It's one of the things that's been on my mind. Right. Right. This is the first one, which is, a barmaid str was strangled to death by her pyjamas when they got caught in an oven and she made a bacon sandwich. Wow. Yeah. Well, this is from The World News. And a popular barmaid died in the most bizarre circumstances when she was strangled by her pyjamas on the oven at home. Jackie Michelle, uh, Jackie Michelle Cottrell, 52, was a widely known character in Blackburn who had pulled a pint in every pub, her grieving daughters said. An inquest into her death at Preston Coroner's Crown Court heard her clothes became caught on the oven door and she was found by her nephew, Josh Brocklebank, the next day. Coroner Dr. James Adley said she died through extraordinary bad luck. He said, It is very unusual that someone who was fit and well managed to suspend themselves accidentally from the oven door. What appears to have happened is that for some reason she had fallen and caught her pyjama top on the lower handle of the oven door. I can't explain how she ended up in this position. It's a very unusual case. In my 20 years of doing this, I have never come across this happening. Miss Cottrell had made a Josh a bacon sandwich in the early hours of Sunday, January the 24th, before he went off to bed. He slept in and went into the kitchen around 2pm to find his auntie collapsed in the kitchen. The inquest heard she had suffered a stroke six years prior to her death, but she did not suffer any balance problems as a result, and a full post-mortem examination revealed no signs of disease or natural death. Now, it looks like what's happened is somehow, in her pyjamas, she's... I think she's probably got like a collar caught on it already on the door handle. But I don't know where the oven is. Is it low down? I'm, I'm, where I'm getting it is, I still want to know if she's frying the bacon or grilling the bacon. It's bothering me. Well, I think it's the oven door, so it's like yeah, she's so grilled it. it. Yeah, so I reckon for some reason she's gone down on the way, you know, and she's lost consciousness. On the way down, she's caught the pyjama on it. Yeah. And then she just kind of laid, you know, laid just there. Just quietly strangled yeah, on unconscious, it. unconscious, and then she just slipped away, you know, like, you know, yeah. with breath. But why go down in the first place, isn't it? That's such a... Well, the thing is as well, I think I think if she'd slipped and fallen, she'd have fallen with a bit of a bang, wouldn't she? Oh, yeah. maybe she'd have hit her head, because they'd have said they'd have found like a, 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 like a head wound or something. That's it, clattering off the... The oven, and plus your full weight going down. What kind of you'd jammies? find bruising as well, wouldn't you? And you'd, you'd kind of rip the jammies, wouldn't you? Unless they're like really thick kind of jam yeah. jams. Wow, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. That is very weird. Yeah. Did she get to eat a bacon sandwich? 
No, she made it for a, a, a nephew, oh, Joe. Nephew. He had it. Bless him. Oh, man. Last sarny she ever made, but what a night she made making him a nice sarny for her. That's, yeah, that's nice. Just nice. what a big hearted woman she was. Oh. You know, apparently everybody knew her. She was um pulled a pint in every pub. But they said here as well is like um it was a conclusion of accidental death was recorded, right? With the cause being compression of Miss Cottrell's neck caused by her vagina top being accidentally entangled in the oven door, right? And a daughter says, only she knows what happened. Miss Cottrell worked at Queen's Park Club, the Clifton and Railway Club, where she became known as everybody's agony aunt. So, you know, anyone, you know, anyone had a bit of a problem with talk to her. Maybe she knew too much. Yeah. Well, paying Miss Ramsdale and her sister Tony Cottrell said their mum pretty much knew the name of everybody in Blackburn. And paying tribute, they said, she knew everything about everyone and was never shy about a bit of gossip. Mm, loose lips. Sink ships. Mm. So that's what you never know. It could be, couldn't it? She may have just sort of like just known too much. Mm. Was about to sort of let a little piece of information go. That's Hanger on the oven door? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> death by bacon? Yeah, so that's Ooh. it. That's an accidental death, that one, you know. Well, these, these one of the weirdest ones I ever heard about of an accidental death was, <laughs> was um, uh, somebody had come round, you know, like you, you, you come home from wherever you've been, you know what I mean, all that sort of stuff, and uh, and had found, when it went around the back, was set of ladders up against the wall, yeah. right, uh, and then kneeling on their patio, was a guy with his head in a bucket of water, dead. Jesus. Right? Oh, window cleaner. Window cleaner had fallen, oh. tripped and fallen, right? Smacked his head. His head just... plopped into the bucket. Oh my And he drowned God. in his own bucket. Oh my God. I tell you, it's terrible. Like, if you look at life, I can imagine why people do get, you know, like some mental issues about being scared of stuff. Because you could fucking... Your own home's really dangerous, isn't it? Oh, it's the most dangerous place going. I had one last week. I'm, uh, two o'clock in the morning, I'm staggering around, absolutely hammered, you know what I mean? <laughs> in kitchen, and I'm, I'm, I've got my vape, you know what I mean? And I want to fill my vape up. And yeah. it's something I do continuously with the day. I unscrew it. It's a glass kind of cylinder with a little metal mouthpiece at top. I take the mouthpiece off, you know, screwing it either way. Um, fill it up, screw it back on. And I've had a little dent in it, you know, that I'd done banged it, you know what I mean, where the uh, the metal cap is. So I went to do it as normal, and it had just, when I twisted it, it broke the glass. And then I just twisted it open and sliced both my fingers wide open, man. Ooh. And I'm there hammered with two massive flaps, and I'm a bleeding me, man. It just pieces <laughs> all Exactly. I'm thinking, this is never going to scalp. There's too much in me, man. <laughs> I don't, you know what I mean? He's pissing everywhere, all over the floor. I'm trying to get you. No! You know, and he, he, he kind of look like adrenaline kicked in because I'm smashed, you know what I mean? I'm like <laughs> ready to collapse into bed. I'm like, oh no, you know, I've got to think and do stuff, you know what I mean? And luckily, I'm just thinking, right, I've got electrical tape covered there, I've got kitchen roll. You're totally MacGyvered it. Yeah, you're totally <laughs> MacGyvered it. I had some TCP up, in, you know what I mean? So I'm just like, did a complete John Rambo in kitchen seat. <laughs> You should have seen bandages of box. I thought I was going to bleed out. They were like these massive muppet hands, you know what I mean? The fingers. <laughs> Taped it all up and that. Went to bed and I'd done a good job because I thought, don't do it too tight or you're going to have black fingers in the morning. Plus, I knew I was going to completely collapse out. You know I mean? <laughs> this is it for 10 hours. <laughs> you know, when you wake up in the morning, you're like, you're going to look around like, oh. See you on the flip side. <laughs> 
<laughs> but luckily I'm alright, you know. I'm a good healer as well, so it is. I'm like pretty healed up, you know what I mean? Fucking but, hell. Um, you're suddenly in it, aren't you? You're not in it for so long when you're in it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anything can happen. A bit of bad luck where your bucket is or where your Yeah, just one little thing like that. T-shirt, slipping a bit of bacon. A, a mate of mine was uh, building a bike for somebody, right? And uh. he got all the bits and all this sort of stuff. And it was quite a few years ago now, and it used to be where all the shocks on your bike were, especially the rear shock on a mountain bike, yeah. you know, uh, was um, was we, it was it's like a compressed air. It's like a wow. cushion of compressed air. That's yeah. basically what it is. And he, he he'd never worked with this stuff before, right? <laughs> this is this is. We just like right, I don't know how this stuff comes apart, right? And he just done a thing like this, in, and uh. he just unscrewed something. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. no. And he just went bang, <laughs> right? And he thought, oh, and the thing he'd been holding, most of it were gone. And he was like, where the fucking hell's that gone? And he, he looked over to his garage, concrete garage wall, right, and it blown a hole in his garage oh, wall and gone Jesus. through and out. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! He'd gone through about an inch, inch and a half of concrete. Concrete. Panel. Yeah. Man, guns can't do that sometimes. That's what this was. It was basically like a, it, it reacted a like, a, like a zip gun. Yeah. My just blown a hole. And all it took is you. you if you'd been looking down on it, oh, <laughs> your sweet. Oh. And that's how, the thing is that's how he'd have been found. He'd have yeah, been found yeah, in his yeah. garage, laid there with a, with basically with a, with a hole in his head, yeah. and nobody will know what's happened to it. Or has he been shot? Fucking have to get Columbo or something. Yeah, would it would be just like a mystery. It'd be just like one of those untold mysteries. Oh man! And I do actually have now. I've got another. Well, you're scaring me even more. I want to do with feet or something. <laughs> Tim <Tip> foot <laughs> <tip> on shoes. <laughs> And this is the the strange death of Elizabeth Isherwood, right? Uh-huh. And it, it, it's nobody really looks at this one as a real strange death. I do. It's, this has haunted me, right? <laughs> and this is a woman died after getting trapped in an airing cupboard while on holiday, right? Oh. And this is BBC News. So Elizabeth Isherwood, sixty, from Wolverhampton, tried to break out using a piece of water pipe, but after breaking the pipe, she got sprayed with water and subsequently died from hypothermia at the Place Talgarth Country Club near Pennell, Gwynedd, right? Oh. Coroner Dewey Pritchard-Jones recorded a conclusion of misadventure at a hearing in Carnarvon. The inquest was told that Ms Isherwood checked in on the 23rd of September 2017, but her body was not found for a week. Oh. It is believed she got trapped the night she arrived or the morning after when she was going to the toilet, right? Oh, God. So it's, typical, it's almost like what you do. Yeah. Wander around, trying to find the toilet. <laughs> Walked into the airing cupboard, right? But she, it was difficult to know what happened. But as she, as she shut the, as the door shut behind her, the internal doorknob disintegrated. Just oh, came apart, man. right? Meaning she could not escape. Being unable to turn the lock and realising she was trapped and there was no light. Oh, that's the bit I'm going to say. Yeah. If you, if it's light, you've got a chance. But if it's pitch black... And so she first of all started pulling all the shelves off the wall. Whether she used them to try and get out, I can't say, the coroner said. She pulled the copper piping and a piece was broken off. And this was used to try initially to open the door because there was marks on the door. But also to try and break a hole through a wall of the airing cupboard. Oh no, so she's trying here, isn't she? This is all the stuff you want to be doing. Yeah. So Mrs. Isherwood managed to make a hole in another wall, but the coroner said it appeared she had not realised it. And it was this hole that maintenance workers found. Thought, oh, there's a hole in the wall here, what's this? Oh, right? you get a bit of pipe swing, you know. Yeah. 
So that like she was found by the maintenance workers who noticed a hole in the plasterboard leading to the bedroom where she tried to break through the wall. Man, that ain't gonna be pretty opening that door. No, that can you imagine the look on oh, her face. Oh, that kind of animalistic kind of. It's like oh. opening a trap, you know, trapped in a coffin or something. It's like buried alive. Oh. Just, I mean, what a way to go! Oh, Dying in an airing cupboard. Oh no! They just like say door handles. You know what I mean? I've got some dodgy door handles that do that. I need to be like on them all the time at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have to like fix them. You think that's like getting trapped in there? <laughs> and plus, how long, how long do you, does it take you to die like that? Oh, it could be days. Could be days. Oh. I mean, the thing is, she's got hypothermia, which is like the worst. I think where she's yeah. proper shivering out. Yeah, that. shivering away, freezing cold, and it's like obviously it'll be like night time. Eventually, go back towards night. It'd be pitch black in there. She won't know it's day or night. She lost track of time. She'll be howling, and screaming out. Oh my god! What a shit way to go. That is really bad, and he, I can't think of much else that he could do. I need to have a look at room, but Christ! The fact she's actually made a hole in one wall. She was almost there. She could have done it, but she, oh. I think she's. I don't know why she didn't know it's light coming through that door. That yeah, unless it's in another cupboard there, uh, you know, like a maintenance cupboard, you just open it up as well, a hole. Yeah. Oh, that's dark. Bleak in it, that. Yeah, it's just how fast it can happen, though. There's just those yeah. little errors, just that little bit of bad luck, and you're there. One slip, and that's oh, it. Oh, <laughs> you're hung off the oven or trapped in your broom closet. I'm drowning it? in a bucket. Oh. I'm bleeding <laughs> to death in bed with two, with two little slits that it hasn't done. Yeah. I swear to God, I thought we were going. I'm like looking at it like, oh shit, I'm in nasty. Just try not to get that asshole thing. Yeah, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about cutting the piss out of Sorry for bringing you down a bit there. <laughs> a bit, a bit. Yeah. <laughs> How about someone pick you up again? Oh, please. How about this is a woman who says, He talks to me a lot, which is not what I expected from the shy man I saw on TV all those years I was a fan. He says, He stays possessed in me, relaxed, not channeling, and just enjoying living through me and communicating with me as a husband. So he likes to eat in me. He loves cookies. He cusses a lot more than I'd expect from him as a former fan. Kathleen Roberts calls herself and her podcast The Ghost Host and says she's a, a, a psychical medium who channels ghosts. One podcast had her interviewing the spirits of Marilyn Monroe, Prince, Anna Nicole Smith, Kurt Cobain, and her ghostly husband, Michael, the King of Pop, <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> oh, I'm getting. It's always same people, though, isn't it? Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. Their marriage was brought to light recently by the Daily Star. But the details come from Robert's story at Vocal Media, where she reveals semi-intimate facts, like he doesn't like being touched or kissed. Unless it's a... Yeah. <laughs> And he punishes her with visions of spiders and corpses. <laughs> <laughs> Naughty Jackson. And he's bossy and he likes to point out her flaws. <laughs> You're fat! <laughs> <laughs> 
kæreste. Hihi. Shimon. He's grunting gets me in his songs. Yeah. But apparently he has helped to deal with online fame. Oh, yeah, because you know Kathleen Roberts is so famous. Makes you head spin when you're that famous. <laughs> Roberts claims Jackson sings and dances as she channels him. And like the rest of the celebrity ghosts she is visited by, joins her in the bathroom. Ooh. I like to watch you poop. <laughs> you big saggies. <laughs> so she dances, she each he goes through her and she dances like Michael Jackson. I, I think so. She's most of the time when he's resting, it seems like she's kind of inside him. Right. Oh, she's sorry. Yeah, he's inside. He's her. inside her. Yeah. Right. And then when she's sort of channeling him, he kind of comes out and dances around the kitchen. <laughs> it's called fat. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes out of her and he, she that can see him. Like it. Yeah. Well, it's a shame that she don't, that, you know, channel and she dance because it was just pathetic moonwalking and shit, wasn't it? That can you imagine? Well, I've not had a chance to have listened to the ghost host. <laughs> I think I'm good at. <laughs> I'm definitely doing that this Washing up today. <laughs> <laughs> If you're wondering what the rest of the Jacksons think about this strange relationship, <laughs> Roberts claims she's told them and claims Sister Janet symbolically acknowledged the contact on TikTok. Oh, now that could oh, mean anything. It could, couldn't it? So she's basically, she'll, she's obviously seen um, Janet Jackson on TikTok and yeah. said she symbolically acknowledged yeah, this. Yeah. So she could have done anything. She she, she blinked. She, she blinked. Yeah, that's that's it. It. Oh, thank you. She knows now that Michael's living in me and eating yeah. cookies and calling me fat. <laughs> oh, wow. I bet she's got more fucking listeners than us. I'd be really pissed yeah, off. She has, man. I'd be fucking fuming. <laughs> You <laughs> so that the, the uh, so that Michael Jackson in the bathroom part reminds you of the various accusations about him. <laughs> Roberts will only say that he told her she has a childlike personality. Ooh, and to make out. this even stranger, Roberts also claimed she's the reincarnation of Marilyn Monroe. Oh, aren't they all? Exactly. Which must have made for an awkward podcast interview with her. <laughs> Because she claims she's already interviewed. <laughs> yeah, he's doing it. Oh, for fuck's sake. I mean, but this is it. it's that same sort of thing as we mentioned before about people feeling grandiose, wanting to be special. You know, yeah. I think there can be someone that's just incredible. Well, they just fucking make it up in their own weird heads. Yeah. At least they didn't bring uh, <laughs> fucking Elvis into it. Leave Elvis out. Oh, I love being Come on, let's face it. Yeah. We're, right, so we're, we're going to have a little listen to the ghost us. And yeah. I'm... I'm going to bet you now five English pounds that Elvis crops up somewhere. Oh, that's good. I'll take that bet. I'll take that bet. I'll, uh, I'll tell you what the funniest fucking thing. One of my favourite people on earth before he sadly passed away with Derek... Uh, Pac- De- <laughs> Not Pacora. I, I have to call him Derek Pacora. He's just better, isn't it? But that one he's doing out uh, Michael Jackson. And he's got all the Michael Jackson fans around that seance table. What? He, oh, mate. And you seen it? Oh, he's so fucking good, man. He, he's so bad it's good there's one kid dressed up as Michael you know yeah. that he's been and he's in tears at one bit and the, how shit Derek does it is just amazing he's not know? doing voices here or anything. he's doing everything he's just he's, he's just he's comedy gold I really if you if you're ever feeling down just go on to YouTube and put that <laughs> but my favourite obviously my favourite Derek Akara moment that's that when he starts he says there's some sort of organ grinder with his monkey and starts trying to channel a monkey <laughs> yeah. 
There's another one about a dog as well in this one. <laughs> he said, anybody know a Billy? Anyone know a Billy? Anyone? And he's really going around the room like, oh, fuck, someone must know a Billy. And yeah. Bloke puts his hand up. Well, why had a dog called Billy? That's it. It's your dog's here. You know what I mean? And <laughs> <laughs> then an interview, that, you know, afterwards they're saying, were you amazed by Derek's show? And I said, well, I was what expecting my dog to come. But <laughs> <laughs> he grander than my nan might pop exactly, up. Exactly. With the confusement on his face. He's just classic. It's your dog. <laughs> Woof! Oh, he's going, he does, he goes, woof, 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 woof. He actually starts doing woofs and that. Oh, he's there. Absolute fucking blagging king of the world and that man. I mean, how can you look at yourself in the mirror? That's what I mean if you've done that for a living. Yeah. You, you just look at yourself for a bit and go, you, you, you barked in that room. Yeah. I need another shower. Derek, you've had four showers this morning. I can't get clean, love. My soul, my soul. Just need to go for another quick cry. <laughs> oh bless you. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Gonna be the one, the big tease. <laughs> you better miss it. I swear, God, I'm gonna grab that paper off you. Well, way I'm saying it now is because it's although it's, it's we haven't done tons of stories this this week. You know, yeah, yeah. This last one I've been kept putting it off because it's a little bit of a longer story. Ooh. So this is it is that is time. One? It's, it's, is it it's, juicy? It's time, is, is it, it sweet? So this is the one that I mentioned before about from that uh, website that I talk about. Oh which, uh, yeah, yeah, local which, legends. Yeah, so if you look on our Instagram, uh, Facebook, and uh, Twitter accounts, you'll find links to this, uh, like a paranormal, a cryptozoological map of Great Britain. And I think it's actually, as well, if you can pan back out, there's loads in the world. Oh, cool. So you can find ones from all over the place. Yeah. Bigfoot sightings in America and Russia and places like that. So there's all sorts of stuff on there. <coughs> yeah, but do have a little look on our social media for that, right? And this one is, um, I thought was just... Just the weirdest. Yeah, right? This was right. one of the weirdest, and it's quite a long story. But we're going, we'll get, we'll get diving into it, right? And this is known as the Niners Quarry thing, right? From the area of Nottingley in uh, about nineteen eighty nine, right? Yeah. right? And this is from a, a chap called Christian, and he says, "Deb, here was the Niners Quarry encounter that we were talking about." This happened to me back in 89, and was probably either late summer or early autumn as there were plenty of leaves on the trees and I don't remember it being cold. Myself and my friend Lee had decided to pay a visit to a creepy quarry late at night. Niner's Quarry, it is locally known, and has a reputation for being haunted, and being quite young at the time, it was a sort of dare to go late at night and see how long it could last. <laughs> yeah. As I say, Niner's is like a local nickname for the quarry. The actual name is Park Bulk Quarry, just southeast of Nottingley. We arrived at the Broomwell side main entrance about 12 midnight, and as we walked down along the main path, we noticed a small fire burning to our left. But there didn't seem to be anybody about attending the fire, so we kept on walking and went all the way through to the wooded area, which is sadly no longer there. But back then it was near the southwest boundary of the quarry. The night was still and fairly mild, as I remember, with just a light breeze. It was quiet and we appeared to be alone. We decided to walk back along the main path and as we did so we once again arrived at the fire which was dying down. 
We sat for a second, wondering what to do and not really wanting to go home yet, but we talked about it for a minute, and then we decided to walk up onto the ridge on the north boundary. This can be seen on Google Maps and appears like some steps going down from west to east. We got up onto the high point of the ridge and surveyed the quarry below, which was about 30 to 40 feet down to the floor, and we could see most of the quarry from this vantage point. I was about to turn to Lee, who was standing beside me, and ask if he'd seen anything, when I a sudden noise from below caught our attention. The quarry floor was limestone, so anything down there moving would make a noise that stood out quite well. And the noise we heard was loose limestone being disturbed as something. A figure moved very quickly from about level uh, with us to our extreme left, so it had been sort of level in front of them. Mm -hmm. And it suddenly darted real quick to the left. It had been hiding behind a large slab of rock out of viewpoint. It was mesmerising watching this thing. The brief few seconds it was in view. The speed was incredible, like an Olympic sprinter, but yet the noise it made was minimal. No features could be made out. It was almost like a shadow, just like a dark figure moving quickly across the rock and shale. And it disappeared to our left. Our view obscured by the ridge itself, and I couldn't hear it anymore. We stood in silence and slowly turned to face each other. Lee was mouthing the word, what? But he didn't get any further, as he turned to face where the thing had disappeared, and the noise started again. Loose limestone being disturbed by movement. It was getting louder, closer. It was using the cover of the rock face to approach an, as unseen. It happened very quickly. Suddenly the noise stopped directly beneath us. Silence. We turned to face each other once more, not looking puzzled anymore, but now concerned and scared. And we didn't have any time to react. I will never forget the next sound we heard. Below us was a grassy steep sloping bank which gave way to sheer limestone rock face about 30 foot high. What we could hear was the sound of loose rocks falling to the ground. Whatever it was, it was climbing up. <laughs> oh, no. As we realised this together, the sound had already stopped, and I remember we were both staring down at the point where the rock face joined the grassy bank. A dark figure was there, moving stealthily towards us through the grass. In an instant, it was like the spell had broken. We turned and just jumped about eight foot to the field below. We both hit the ground hard and for a second, a horrible second, I thought my legs would buckle and I'd be left there alone. But somehow I managed to stay up and then I was off, running. I looked around while still in the field but nothing was behind me. We ran most of the way through the Broomhill estate. What the hell was it? And we went back the next day during daylight and stared in disbelief at what it had climbed up in about three seconds. I could see how far it had gone. The rock face is a good 30 foot high. It did that in three seconds. Oh my god, what is yeah. that? We even brought a rope and tried to recreate what it had done. And it took us minutes rather than seconds, even with a rope. And then there was the way it moved, very fast and stealthy. In that respect, it was more like an animal. And we did see it again at other times, as we had other encounters with this thing over the next few weeks. <laughs> Days had gone past since our first encounter, and we just discussed at great length what it could have been. Normally you would have a rational explanation, but we just couldn't explain it. Now come on, just how do you climb up a sheer vertical rock face of 30 feet in 3 seconds or less in the dark? 
So we decided to go back in the dark. Oh God, nutted. Not late this time, and we had something for protection. My gran, who is sadly no longer with us, lived in the Broomhill Estate, Nottingley, about half a mile north of the Niners. Lee and myself got ready at her house. We were going prepared this time. I had my BSA Meteor Air Rifle. Yeah! <laughs> oh, he's like the Goonies that stand yeah. by me as well. Which I'd underslung a powerful 3D cell torch. The tape's oh, on yeah, torch. baby! <laughs> this is pre-internet. Yeah, this, is the, yeah, this is what used to happen. Yeah. He says it's not exactly a 12-gauge, but it felt good to have. It felt good to have it as we climbed over my grand's back wall and headed for Niners once again. The night was still and quiet as we walked across the fields. We arrived at the quarry about 9.30, this time mounting the ridge at the east corner overlooking the pond below us. We made our way back along the ridge, occasionally dropping back into the field due to brambles blocking our path. We didn't go down into the quarry this time, just observed from the relative safety of the ridge. Nothing could be seen on the quarry floor and no noise either. We cautiously approached the area where we had jumped down and scanned the scene below us. I had the rifle and torch ready, but I haven't used the torch much until now. I reached for the on button, and as I did so, Lee patted me on the shoulder and said, There. He was saying in a loud whisper, and I followed his pointing, and I could see something behind one of the large slabs of limestone. I could see part of it. It looked like the same thing. A dark figure, no features had a kind of mesmerising effect to watch it. It was terrifying but at the same time fascinating. As I stared at the figure I could see it appeared to be watching us and its upper body was heaving like it was out of breath and gasping for air as if it had been running hard. Again, as if a spell was broken, I turned the torch on. The beam was very bright and lit up the area well and as I swung the rifle round towards the figure I remember thinking, right, this is it, we're going to see it. And as the beam drew near the figure, the torch suddenly cut out. Oh no. And I frantically pressed the on-off button to no avail, banging the torch with my palm, and this didn't work either. It was just dead, and I'd specially put new batteries in it. Oh god. Our fear was reaching boiling point. The figure was still there and could attack at any moment. I couldn't fire at something if I didn't know what it was, so I aimed at the rock it was behind. I indicated to Lee to run as soon as I fired. And I didn't hesitate, I just fired the warning shot and I didn't wait for any consequences. I heard the pellet hit the rock and that was it. We were off, running across the field, sprinting to my grand's house. After a hundred or so yards, we glanced around behind us whilst fast walking to catch our breath, but we couldn't see anything. Upon getting to the safety in the house, I double-checked the torch and it came on. I flicked the switch off on several times and it worked every time. What had caused the malfunction? And what was that figure, what we had originally seen? This time it hadn't tried to approach us. Was this because it was not something strange, but because it, it knew we had a weapon? In the coming weeks, we continued to visit the quarry both during the day and night. We would only see the figure at night and only fleetingly. Once while being chased by a large gang, we made our escape via a small path that led past Niners out into the fields. We had just gone to this path adjacent to the Broomhill Estate as I ran. I glanced to my right. The entrance to the Niners could be seen through the dark about 100 yards away. And I noticed a dark figure stood perfectly still near the entrance on the main path. And it just looked odd in a sort of hunched over pose. No features could be seen. It was just black. I only saw it for a few seconds. 
We'd become obsessed with seeing this figure and told one of our friends, Nick, he decided to come with us one night. Off we went across the fields from Gran's house. It was about 10 to 15 minute walk. The night was still and clear. Time, around 9pm. We decided this time we'd go in on the main entrance, just like we did on the original sighting. I'll explain here, if, you, if you're looking on the Google Maps, it's not the Woomersley Road entrance. This is where the lorries used to go in. It's a wide path across the field from the Broomhill Estate. We walked down this path, and as we got closer, the atmosphere just changed. It became more expectant. We knew something was going to happen, just didn't know what. And suddenly, there was a commotion of barking dogs coming from in front and to our right. Next to the main path to our, on our right, there to the boundary fence of a house with a large plot of land, and the dogs belonged to this house. And occasionally would bark at passers-by. As we approached the entrance, we realised they were not barking at us. They were gathered next to the fence where it bordered the quarry and were barking eagerly at something hidden to us in the bushes next to the fence. They really were going mad. We went past the commotion and carefully walked a little way into the quarry. The dogs are now muffled a little by the shrubs and bushes. We were confused and curious as to what they were barking at, so we just stopped and stared towards the bushes. What happened next was like a dream. It was very surreal. I remember hearing first the bushes moving, then seeing the branches and even whole shrubs shaking and bending, snapping, etc. But not being able to see what was doing it. Something was moving through the undergrowth rapidly towards us. With the commotion it was making, it was as big as a large man. There was a barbed wire fence that bordered the bushes and separated the part of the quarry from the main path. As we all stood staring in a kind of fear and fascination induced trance, the fence was hit by something, like someone had just run straight into it. You could hear the wire creaking and cracking under the strain, then in an instant later it just stopped. Then I heard and felt something big and heavy dash past me very close. I didn't see anything, but I felt the ground at my fate shake as it went past. I spun around quickly to see nothing. There was nobody. How could that be? And we all stood in stunned silence, slowly coming to from the experience. Nick had been a little way off and had not felt the vibration and heard the thing run past, but he had seen the bushes moving and the fence. Lee had been standing close by and had felt the ground shake like me. I don't think we ran, but we walked quickly and quietly back to Broomhill, but didn't go back across the fields. We had no rational explanation. To this day, we still discuss it. Though I've lost contact with Nick, I do still see Lee regularly, and he helped me with this report as my memory isn't what it used to be. There's a striking similarity between this thing and my other report, or the one in Paul. So we're going to have to look this one up. Mm, yeah, this, yeah? It was a dark figure, predator-like, very agile, and seemingly a supernatural ability. But there is a distance of around 45 miles between Nottingley and Paul, and of course the sightings took place 13 years earlier. Could the sightings possibly be connected? Both times we had a strong feeling it was playing with us, but it could have done something to harm us at any time. We were at its mercy, but it chose not to. Is this proof of some sort of empathy? So what do you think of that? I'll tell you, straight away I was thinking it's after children. Tall, dark, really agile. Um, he wants to play with them. Do you think when she's asleep, Jack goes out? Exactly, running out quarries after little boys. Hey, and show that. me your bum hole. <laughs> <laughs> That's some Jesus juice. <laughs> just 
about to say, got milk? <laughs> no, fuck off, Michael. <laughs> no, it's bloody horrible, isn't it? I love the, you know, the summer mission that they've gone on, you know what I mean? Mm. They're just going back and back at it, you know what I mean? Um, especially bringing someone else, like a third party, into it, and him still seeing the bushes. Well, the thing is there, it's what you would have done as a kid. I mean, the, the actual story narrative, you'd be more, if it was made up, you'd, you'd you wouldn't have gone back. Yeah, yeah. We went there. I was terrified. Never went back again. Yeah, yeah. The uh, end. The the end. Yeah, that's yeah. it. But um, that's not the truth of the matter. And the truth of the matter is, as a kid, you go back. You're fascinated. Yeah. You can't stop thinking about it. It's yeah, your yeah. little secret kind of madness that's going on. Yeah. The fact that they're seeing this thing kind of darting around, stealthily shifting in this one place. You know what is he? And it's that you know sometimes you always run to to me. You know, like where where. You, Whatever the stuff is, if it's ghosts or paranormal, it's more, you know, as a kid, the innocence of a child is more, you know, like the energy of a child type of yeah, thing yeah. does bring it out. And, it, you know, the expectancy and the, you know, it's like nearly conjuring that up out of the earth, isn't it, in a Very sense? Very much so, yeah, you know. Um, and I'm not saying it's false, I'm saying it's more like it's true, you know, someone was there and the yeah. power of those kids have kind of like brought it and materialised it yeah. more or something. Tulpa. Yeah, is that what That's it? What, if, the, if there's energy... Um, it's something created from your own energy. It's yeah. a tulpa, that's the theory. Yeah. No, but it's, uh, yeah, so it's like, it could oh, be a fantastic stuff. I love the bit when he taped his torch onto it. God, yeah. that is just mecha movie now. <laughs> the thing is, as well, back then, it was a case where, you know, you did see kids wandering around with air rifles, <laughs> yeah, didn't you? Well, yeah, totally. You see somebody with an air rifle now, you yeah. know, I mean, next thing you know, Rosses would be around. Absolutely, That time of the sort of 80s, it was yeah. like a much more an innocent time, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, but, and it's... Uh, it was also that sort of thing he did go sneak out yeah. to go play at places like quarries on a night. Yeah, and stuff, some you know. dark railway, disused railway tunnels and yeah. stuff like that. And it was well, that fear of it, that kind of, it's amazing what yeah. that kind of energy goes through. But I suppose as well, see, if there is weirdness, you can class that as a liminal place, can't you? Yeah. It's one of those places which on the fringes, it's not quite here, not quite there, yeah. you know. And, um, and that's what you can say that is. Yeah. And uh, I, I think kids are only around in those places at night. Yeah, that's you know what it, I mean? yeah, yeah. So, you know... Well, you, doggers or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apart from them, but yeah. <laughs> they're, too, they're too busy. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is, but it does seem sort of scuttling yeah, around. Yeah. Suck us off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and they've just kind of created it into a monster. It was yeah. just superb. Oh no! But Great yeah. tale, though. Well, well worth the wait with that one, Arkid. Oh, well I'm worth glad the you wait. like it. Yeah, so, no, yeah, very so. good. <laughs> so I think what we might have to do now is, uh, what do you think about tinfoil jumpsuits? I think get it all on more double layer me. Double, double layer, layer. Over, yeah. yeah. And then after that, we can just cover the uh, lighthouse in tinfoil as yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> and then the world. <laughs> Right, we better get cracking then. Yeah. I'd have to say a big bye bye now from me. And it's a bigger bye bye from Benny, and I mean it. Take care, guy. <laughs> Instagram at Kraken Cove Pod. Ha ha!